Hello and welcome to episode 111 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast, 111. 111. Anthony Malikian here, U.S. Editor of Waters. Along with me is James Rundle, our news editor. Hello, everyone. So today we're going to talk about a recent report that came out of AFME about uh, utilities, the need for them in the industry, and the struggle to get them up and running. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also discuss some of the features that will be going up online on waterstechnology.com over the coming days and next week. And uh, but before we get to any of that, a couple house cleaning notes. Sellside Technology Awards entry ends today. So if you haven't already gotten in, uh, you're kind of screwed, I think. Is this going up today or is it going up tomorrow? Or is- what, what way to do this, Jim? It's going up tomorrow, man. It's going up tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Oh, I see. We're talking in the future. We're talking in the future right now, James. Right. Man, way, way to ruin that. I was going to say that was a bit of a you know, peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, we also have an event coming up that you can register for. If you are an end user, it's going to be free to attend. If you are a vendor, then you'll have to ask our events people, I guess, about how to participate. But it's the North American Innovation Summit, formerly known as the North American Trading Architecture Summit, I believe. Mm. Um, so I think we're changing it up a little bit. April 17th. want to read through some of the names of the people that are on the Water Technology Advisory Board for this. We have uh, Sarah Biller, co-founder of Sandbox. J.P. Rangaswamy, CDO at Deutsche Bank, Michael Colo of AXA Investment Managers, uh, Barry Childe from HSBC. Child. Uh, what? Child. Child. You're a child. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of people. Got a lot of good people. Fine. Put me up on track here. Got a lot of good people that gave input into this. And uh, the, the... You see, I'm now I'm just flustered. Uh, the... Program is available online. We're still updating as we go because it's April, so we still have a little bit of time. But you can start to register for that now. Again, if you're an end user, it's free to attend. Uh, it'll be somewhere in Midtown Manhattan. I can't remember where. It won't be at the Marriott Marquis, I don't believe. No, actually. it's uh, still around the Times Square area, but it's in some funky startup conference space. There um, we go. Converge, I think it's called, isn't it? Can't have an innovation summit and not have an innovative new space. Yeah. So um, get on that. All right, so this week, slow news week, I, I feel like, right? Yeah, I think so. Off the back of the uh, the winter recess and everything, I think it's slowed down a little bit ahead yeah. of uh, Easter as well. But um, still a few little bits and pieces. Sure. So we just had a story go up on Thursday. <laughs> um, hey, that's not today. About really. a <laughs> <laughs> um, So it's an interesting look. Um, the Association for Financial Markets in Europe, AFME, put out a report uh, where they kind of polled 15 of their members of, uh, what is the unit called, the, what is it, the Technology and Operations Utility Working Group. And it's looking about, and what they found was, is that the industry by and large is pro-utility. They, 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 they say that they're pro-utility. Mm. They, they like this idea of a utility. Um, especially for things, you know, going through some of the basics, obviously your operation and asset servicing stuff, post-trade operations and asset servicing, so reconciliations, repo agreements, settlement instructions, reference data. You have your uh, compliance and regulatory reporting, of course, KYC, AML needs, um, some tax requirements. These are all areas that could uh, be ripe for help through utility, 
but it's been very difficult to get off the ground. And James, I know you know about some of the, the, the some of the projects that have been successful and yeah. some that have not uh, worked out so well. It was kind of interesting to see those areas actually. I mean, uh, for a number of reasons. Number one being that utilities kind of already exist in those areas, I guess, or there have been efforts to make them. So if mm-hmm. you look at reference data, corporate actions, for instance, then you know you have the spread uh, facility, which is run by SmartStream, I think. And that was um, put together by a group of like five banks, Credit Suisse among them. Um, settlement instructions, you have Omgeo, which, mm-hmm. you know, was Thompson Financials, now part of the DTCC, which arguably itself is a utility as well. Um, secondly, uh, a lot of those areas are actually, when you talk about post-trade and, and things like that, they're areas that are often cited for things like blockchain and distributed ledger mm-hmm. as kind of target areas for them. So I'm wondering how much of an influence that's had on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, utilities generally, like... Sometimes they work in the capital markets, often not in the kind of the pure form that a lot of people say they want them. So people talk about utilities and they say, yeah, they're great. You know, you can mutualize costs, you can get rid of these processes that we all do. Um, and no competitive advantage, add transparency, yada, yada, yada. Right. But when it comes to putting your money where your mouth is, you find they fall apart. Mm-hmm. But, and again, for a number of reasons, number one, primarily being that banks just don't play well with each other a lot of the time. Um, you know, everyone has their own kind of angle for the one out of it. And you often find, I think, from talking to a bunch of people over the years about these various projects, that, yeah, there are processes that are mutual between banks, common between banks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they don't have a competitive differentiate, uh, sorry, competitive differentiating, differentiating factor to them. Mm-hmm. That was a horrible sentence. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, speaking to a few people who've spoken to me in confidence about this kind of thing, they often say that, yeah, okay, that's all true, but often... The secret source and the stuff that does make you money is based on how you do that in the first place. Um, so you actually find that these processes end up being somewhat better to do with hassle at the time. But you know, it was funny. So we were chatting with um, a source uh, at a from a very large uh, U.S. bank uh, financial institution, and we had just recently gone to IBM's uh, center to check out their Watson. Um, RegTech solutions, suite of RegTech solutions that they have. And you always hear people say, oh, KYC, it's such a pain. It's so manually tested. So many people in the back office are involved. Love to save some of those costs mm. and have a utility do this for us. And so go to him and he says, listen, I, I don't understand when people say um, that that this isn't uh, a competitive advantage. Me onboarding clients in a better way and in a more cost-effective way than what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to sink more costs into it. Mm. If I can do it better than you, that is a competitive advantage. I can get someone more quick with less hassle. Also, I can control the cost better than an industry utility, an IBM, that's going to you know potentially price gouge. I mean, that, that, that becomes a big concern is this idea of, not having control over the price, over you know, understanding you know what the costs are going to be for the future. I think. Well, it's, it's the same thing that's happening. You can see now with all these consortia uh, with the DLT and everything else, but banks are pulling back from it because yeah, the initial stage when they're trying to discover use cases, it works, and I think you found this to an extent with Project Con and other things as well. Mm-hmm. So they're happy to do the kind of or say they're all in for this industry utility at the beginning, um, so they can kind of outsource that initial fail failure risk to a bigger group and mutualize that kind of risk among themselves. But when they see it actually will work, they'll then pull back and do it themselves. Yeah. And especially KYC as well, like given how intricately it's tied into anti-money laundering regulations and that kind of thing as well. Bank guys often say to me, it's like, yeah, 
you know, it is a pain in the butt, but have you seen like the level of fines that we get if we get it wrong? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I think it was US. And Bank. you're still responsible and at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, regardless of whether... You can't say IBM told me that I shouldn't have flagged yeah. this. Or my blockchain provider was supposed to be doing it, but, yeah. you know, we've all been doing it. That just, you know, the, the regulators come along and say, okay, we'll fine all of you $600 million in, in that case, mm-hmm. um, individually. It's, it becomes a thing where it sounds in a technology back room where guys are annoyed at having to do it, that sounds like great to mutualize it out, and then your compliance guys look at it and go, um... No, actually, yeah. we need to make sure we're doing this. And I think that, you know, one thing I should point out is, so I, I spoke with, uh, for the story I wrote, I spoke with David Ostosius. Uh, definitely got that last name wrong. Sorry, David. Uh, but he's the Director of Technology and Operations at AFME. And he said that the point of this report was actually, they don't need, you know, KYC, there is a use case certainly there, but that's not where they think that the, there are other industry problems that exist that mm. they want to that that utilities could better help address kyc is actually one of those ones that maybe is it that gets talked about a lot but that might be a little bit overhyped about creating a utility yeah i mean you can look at it if you look at the major major issues in, in terms of trading and this is a prime example the equity market back in the day when you traded a stock you used to have people biking the share certificates over to different offices to actually physically deliver the certificates of that stock to people. Mm-hmm. Until the industry went, this is ridiculous. Like, why don't we just create this central depository where they're all kept and they can just move between people's pigeonholes or whatever. Hence the DTCC was born. Yeah. Um, and eventually nowadays, just, they don't even do that anymore. It's just on an electronic ledger inside yeah. there. That's an example of utility where people actually... It's a process thing. It's not necessarily a... Um, an actual integral part of the trading life cycle, but it's something that can be easily mutualized and go off and people do whatever they want with it. Putting things into key processes like trade settlements, like uh, clearing, like well, clearing houses, I guess, are technically utilities as well, um, to some kind of minds. But um, KYC, AML, that stuff doesn't really work. And that's been proven in the past. If you look at like Project Column, for instance, was around um, collateral movement and margin movement and that mm. kind of thing. And people thought, yeah, this is great. Like, you know, we can do this seamlessly and frictionlessly between us. We don't have to worry about all these collateral management systems, the central depository is going to do it. And then eventually it kind of you know, got to the point that the, where everyone started disagreeing about how it should move. Yeah. And then I think it became Acadia Soft after that, actually, Project Common. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's a useful guidepost. Um, I thought the most interesting statistic in that whole report actually wasn't necessarily where it can be used in terms of post-trade or onboarding or whatever, but kind of the form that people prefer these things to take. And by and large, I think... Um, the respondents preferred it to be led by a third party with a bit of bank involvement rather than banks doing it between each other. Mm-hmm. It just shows that they've done this so many times over the years and they know it's not going to work. Yeah. Unless essentially what they're doing is getting a vendor step in who's then going to charge them for it and have some kind of responsibility back to them to do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that'll be th- th- this is where, you know, so emerging technologies can help in theory yeah. uh, push this forward. So blockchain, you talk about. A lot of people jump into the blockchain consortiums. Then all of a sudden, are like, actually, we can probably do this on our own. Yeah. So there's still a lot that needs to be weeded out. So this isn't to say that today, emerging technologies like distributed ledgers, like machine learning, AI, are going to help the cause of utilities because maybe you can better understand how the end result will be if you have these kind of technologies in place. Because the problem is we have this idea for utility, by the time that we get into it years later, it's like, no, actually, this isn't near what we had said before. The end result isn't what we're looking for. This isn't going to work. Let's restart this again. I mean, hell, though, I can understand internal utilities, for sure. Like, if you're a multinational bank sure. and you've got clients who want to transact and move across borders easily and that kind of thing, 
rather than having the American branch of this bank A doing KYC and MR checks on the same customer that's already been done for in the UK mm-hmm. or in the German branch or whatever, sure, having some kind of internal blockchain-powered utility to do that makes sense, but an industry-wide one? Nah, I don't think so. so. The other interesting thing was, so there was that failed, uh, what was it, uh, the cybersecurity outfit uh, the, for automated cybersecurity intelligence sharing. Uh, Soltra. Soltra. Yeah, that was DTCC, which eventually got spun out into a uh, private entity. Um, which I think actually from speaking to a few people was its downfall because mm-hmm. it just became a vendor in the yeah. end. So, you know, it's sort of very few utilities can survive that kind of level of thing because then you're just, you know, sharing very sensitive information with a commercial party. So, why would yeah. you do that? So, David yeah. said that, you know, one thing that that could be something in the future that could be reborn in yeah. some ways. Um, that, uh, you know, if we look at a regulatory reporting at a high level, for example, the reporting required for a cyber incident. And what that might look like, and think GDPR, new regulations around mm-hmm. this to help that. Um, I think that's definitely a use case to be made in that area. And I think cer- that, that would have to be run by like a central bank, or it would have to be run by law enforcement, the FBI, yeah, have to sure. run or something like that. Not the DTCC, and not you know JP Morgan or Morgan yeah, Stanley, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, but uh, some sort of centralized utility there could definitely help with that. And then as far as sharing of threat intelligence, mm-hmm. again, that's something that we keep on hearing about at conferences all the time didn't really work with Sultra, can we create something around this as an industry to help with this as, because we're all going through it. Mm-hmm. And whereas at KYC, you could make a, uh, something to say, yes, well, there is a competitive advantage with me onboarding, doing it cheaper than you can. Um, good luck trying to be the lone defender of cyber issues, I guess. Well, I mean, another angle of this as well, which... <laughs> I don't know how off base this was. I was talking to a guy who, who used to work for uh, law enforcement and uh, he just said half these guys, like, you know, a lot happens under the surface they don't want to find out and you might find a lot of these intrusions aren't just foreign state actors and cyber criminals but there's a little bit of corporate espionage going sure. on as well. So people don't want to know when, or don't want to tell people when they've been intruded on or, or like, you know, how they got through their firewall or that yeah. kind of thing because it might end up being attacked more. In yeah. the day, so. so that article... Um, well, we don't actually know what the end result of the headline will be, but it's up online. It's, yep. it's the one talking about merging technologies. We'll probably and, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Merging techs and uh, utilities. Um, check it out. This week, we also had, across both data and technology, we had some features going live. So yeah. I guess we just kind of run through just so you guys know what's going to be out there and what's going to be coming up next week. Yeah. Uh, new issue of Waters with the press this week. We've got a bunch of stuff in there. Um the obligatory sort of Bitcoin futures review, which mm-hmm. Agalos did, um, and which I contributed to, uh, where we kind of discuss how blockchain futures came to be and what happens when the price of Bitcoin crashed. Um, did I say blockchain futures or did I say... Never mind. Um, it's all the same. It's all the same thing. Uh, <laughs> and then kind of, you know, looking at um, very recent market developments and what's next. Uh, we also had Weishen Wong in Asia, uh, did a really great deep dive on three of the big exchanges. So Japan, it'll be four for online. It'll be four for online. Great. Um, so in print, it was Japan Exchange Group, uh, the Australian Securities Exchange, and um, uh, Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the fourth one for online? Was it'll it? be SGX, uh, Singapore Exchange. Oh, nice. Okay. And she kind of looks into what they're doing in terms of revamping their trading systems. So Hong Kong Exchange is replacing its kind of long aging. Uh, terminals uh, through a new system called Orion that actually came out in February. Um, she talks to Japan Exchange Group about how they're using AI for market surveillance and obviously uh, with ASX about their use of blockchain for clearing. Um, really interesting if you're into that region at all, you should probably take a look, I reckon. 
Um, you and I had a magnum opus on all the fintech M&A that's been going on this year so mm-hmm. far. Um, so covering off Thomson Reuters' Blackstone, the Temenos offer for Finesse, um, the acquisition of OpenLink by Ion, and we kind of go over a lot of the really big banner deals that have happened over the last um, few years, including all of SSNC's. More of the general trends are that are the reason why this period of consolidation is perhaps different than what periods of consolidation that we've seen in the past as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So if you, uh, you know, I've just spoken to quite a few analysts, there's no real analysis out there of what this means in, in the kind of the fintech vendor space. So here you go, guys. Merry Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. There's 2,500 words of it for you. Um, <laughs> And uh, also Mia, uh, Amelia, our US reporter, um, found a really interesting feature on how some of the more tech-enabled firms are now sort of changing their focus and, and moving from being trading shops uh, to being pure play vendors, actually. So mm-hmm. she looked at Tradeworks and how that's recently split its trading arm and its thesis technology uh, vendor arm, become a thesis group. And um, she also looked at Nex and how that sort of out of the ashes of ICAP and is sort of moving on to a pure play kind of fintech uh, space and a few other examples so it's a really interesting issue actually. And on Monday we'll be having our cover story. Do you want to tell yeah. everybody? Yeah. So, um, so I sat down with Mike Urcioli um, who is the CIO of JP Morgan Asset and Wealth Management, really interesting guy so he worked uh, at Lehman Brothers for 19 years I think uh, across FX, across Fixed income, um, where he was head of fixed income technology, and uh, before Lehman went down, he was uh, global head of equity technology for about ten years as well. Uh, he then went to City very briefly, and then to JP Morgan's investment bank, uh, where he oversaw equities. Um, and for the last sort of uh, four years or so, I guess he's been uh, revamping asset management's technology from the ground up, and it's uh, it's a really interesting read on how he's not only done the tech revamp, but also changed a lot of the culture. Um, you know, as everyone who's listened to this knows, the buy side uh, can be a bit slower paced than the, the investment bank trading floor. And so uh, one of the things he's quite proud of doing is bringing that kind of pace and attitude to asset management where you're kind of delivering on a daily basis into production um, and you're sort of moving from waterfall development to agile, uh, which obviously uh, ticked our editor-in-chief's boxes, he's very keen on yeah, Agile absolutely. and wrote his, uh, his editor's list this month around that. Um, but no, it's a really interesting read. Um, hopefully you enjoy it. Hopefully JP Morgan doesn't get too angry with me for any perceived slights. Um, but but uh, yeah, uh, that should be out on Monday, so check it out. And then um, just a couple quick stories from our data side to go through. Uh, Max Bowie, um, the incomparable Max Bowie, yeah. uh, wrote a really interesting piece looking at alternative data and about how everybody's talking about, you know, they they like the potential of it, but the prospect of actually digging through these unstructured data sets um, is a bit unwieldy. So he looks at how some specific uh, actual end user firms are teaming up also with third party platforms to speed up that process and start generating alpha faster. Um, our former colleague Tim Borges Murray, uh, he takes a look at securities finance um, and how two lawsuits alleging anti-competitive behavior in stock lending. I don't know. So you can leave the Waters newsroom, but you'll still be filing for us. I mean, it it's just the way it is. Uh, <laughs> so check those out. And then uh, there was also a profile of what is it? Um, TPI Caps. Uh, what's his name? Eric Sinclair. Yeah, um, from Joanna Faulkner, her swan song. Oh, that was her last feature, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so those stories are up, and a couple other uh, features went up, but I just don't remember which ones. 
Yep. So you can check those out. Wordistechnology.com. As always, we will link to the ones that have been published. Otherwise, keep your eye out next week for some of the other ones that will go up on Waters.com. Next week as well, we have a new reporter joining us in London, Josephine yeah. Gallagher. Um, so if you want to reach out to her, we're finally getting some more coverage back in Europe. Um, so say hello to her and introduce yourselves. I'm sure she'd appreciate it. Absolutely. So, yeah. And I'm sure she'll be knocking on your doors, actually, as we tell her to go and talk to everybody in the industry. And yes, we're putting together a... Hit the ground running. ...dozen-page list of people to contact them for us. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's what's going on at Waters. James, what do you want to talk about today as far as... Well, uh, you know, we often do this. We often sit here and think, what's fun to talk about? And we just kind of stare blankly at each other for, for hours and then. But we're going to talk about football. We just love to stare blankly we at do, each other. Yeah, we do. It's lovingly, some might say, but that doesn't really work for an audio uh, production. So let's talk about football. All right, um, soccer. Football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's the FIFA World Cup, Tony. The mm-hmm. Football World sure, Cup. Sure, um, yeah. Coming up soon. I think the first match is uh, Russia against the mighty Saudi Arabia. When is this happening? In June. I think it's starting. Golly. That just really snuck... Because the USA is knocked out. The American team is uh, knocked out. I really haven't it's paid am- any attention to it's it. It's amazing how little people are starting to care about it in the USA, isn't it? Yeah. I think you know the pubs were looking forward to a summer of getting all the football gear out and having people Oh, God. Like, bars and stuff must be really upset about oh, this because yeah. that would have been nice afternoon because of the time difference. It would have been happening in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So usually these dead hours for them would have been filling up with people leaving the office to go yeah, check yeah. out games and stuff like that. And for anybody that ever says, oh, soccer, it's going to be the next big sport in New York... Whenever a big team is out, it's not like anybody cares. Then everybody's interest just now that the, the people that normally would watch the World Cup, they'll be like, "Oh, if it's on, cool." Yeah. I'm a soccer fan. I watch soccer with you every week. Yeah, I'm not even sure when the hell the damn thing starts and who's playing what and where. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good tournament, um, with the obvious exception of the USA's absence, of course, and Italy's as well. Which yeah. Remarkably, I mean, this is just phenomenal. They're not playing. Did the Netherlands make? Did they make this one too, or did they get knocked out of this one too? Uh, Netherlands got knocked out. I yeah. think. So yeah. Some, so, I so. mean, obviously, not to put the US into the same <laughs> category. As but if Italy. you're going to do it, one at least do it in the year when Italy's not playing. Exactly. The Dutch, exactly. right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> there are a couple of uh, nasty-looking groups. I mean, England's group is uh, England, Belgium, Panama, Tunisia. Okay, Panama and Tunisia, not so bad. Yeah. Um, if you can't make it out of that group, James. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, sorry. Uh, wait. Yeah. And um, Group B: Portugal, Spain, Morocco, Iran. That's not nice. Yeah. I think. Um, group A: Russia, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uruguay. Yeah, for the hosts. Um, and then what have we got? Uh, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia, which should be interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, South Korea. That's a tough group, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, favorites, I think, got to be Germany. Germany. I think, um, followed by Brazil. Uh, Belgium, pretty good, though. They've got Eden Hazard, they've got some people. Keeps on so. the same Belgium. I, I remember I won money yeah. off of Peter Madigan's friends in England because they were over and like, Belgium, they're going to be dark horse. It was like, no. No, uh, no, they've got some good players this year, man. I wouldn't be surprised if they... Uh, Mr. Not... I love Hazard more than, you know... More than my own wife. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. I've actually got a... I've kept my wife out, but I've got a Hazard block. Doll now, I just sleep with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Until he leaves Chelsea this year. Yeah. And then he's going to be dead to me. But, yeah. but, but more... Okay, so... Outside of the World Cup, mm-hmm. is there anything interesting happening right now in the EPL? 
Because right now you have Man City's Man run City's away with it. it. I mean, now it's just a fight for who's in the Champions League next year. They have Man United with 59 points, Liverpool 57, Tottenham 55, Chelsea 53, and then Arsenal um, with a lowly 45 points yeah. below there. Um, is Ars Wenger out, you think? Is he out? Did, he, did that Arsene happen? Wenger, if they don't make Champions League this season, I think then it becomes irresistible. Um yeah, Man City just ran away with it. It's a bit of a shame, really. The contest is just over. All you know, of Europe is all like of Europe, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, the Italian league, it's done. Um, I think Juventus, I think, at the top yeah. of that. Um, Germans, uh, the, the Germans are, are done as well. Um, and in France, PSG, I think, have run away with it. Yeah. Uh, by a huge margin, actually, not eighteen points or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's all pretty much over on the domestic front. It's just the international. Oh, no, actually, actually, the Italian league. Sorry, the Italian league is interesting. Sorry, it's uh, Napoli sixty nine points. Oh, no, it's with, the Spanish uh, league, isn't it? That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Napoli was sixty nine. Juventus sixty five. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, just uh, it's a shame. You know, soccer is just it's just not as interesting, I guess. It's just not. Yeah, and I mean, the international competition, the Champions League, is still interesting. Like most of the big boys are still in it. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he says fully aware that Chelsea are playing Barcelona during Boca Week, and that'll be yeah. the end of it. That'll be fun. <laughs> Got to score two goals at Camp Nou. That's uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also I think you know, this year in particular, a lot of players have been taking it relatively easy because they know the World Cup's coming up, and yeah. that's the real glory. Um, so yeah, never for know, England, but yeah, never for England. No, not since uh, well, not for over 40, 50 years now. Yeah. Um, and probably never again. <laughs> I think we were sixth favorite in the odds to win it, or something like that, which is not that bad considering we're now ranked. Each like of the last top. two, the Americans made it farther than uh, they did. England, right? Listen, the Americans. Uh, while it may not become the national sport in any way whatsoever, the Americans could become a powerhouse. Shame that Kushpolsik that we're not going to get to see him. That's a poor kid. You know, yeah, when is prime going to be sitting at home watching? Yeah, but you got some amazing players, and it's like you know, uh, Mosala, um, De Bruyne, uh, Aiden Hazard, obviously. Um, <laughs> like some really like well, Neymar, some world class players, and, and obviously Messi and everyone else as well. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be an if nothing else, I think it'll be an entertaining World Cup. Um, hopefully, more so than the domestic season's been. But yeah, there we go. All right. Well, let's see here. So that's about it. We got. Um, we'll be back next week. Hopefully uh, some good news breaks. I don't know. We'll be seeing what's going on. I'm not sure. If we well, there'll be more on utilities next week, that's for sure, I think, isn't there? Yeah. It's uh, from the European Commission. Yeah. The European Commission put out a fintech report or something. Is that supposed to go up next week? or? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, next week, I think. Um, and then, obviously, the week after that, everyone's going to keep their powder dry for Boca, I think, yeah. for the announcements. Um, and again, I'll be at Boca. If you want to meet, feel free to send me an email. Um, schedule's kind of fun. Or watch them cry while... Chelsea gets destroyed. Yes, by yeah. If you want to come come to the Azure Bar between three and six on uh, on Wednesday, and I'll be sitting there, grey man, weeping. There you go. Yep. Take a video. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, again, SST Awards end right now. Uh, today, Friday, uh, the North American Innovation Summit, April seventeenth. You can start registering for that now. So get on that. If you have any questions, concerns, comments. Please love to hear them. You have yeah. our email details in the post. And we've got some guests coming up soon, so don't worry. Yes, don't worry. You want to listen to us all the time. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend, y'all. Catch you later. Sorry.